You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. Hey everybody, this is Vinny Hale and you're listening to Up to the Mic, where we sit down to dive deeper to topics that matter to you. My next guest is a former student of Texas A&M University who utilizes his cultural experiences, financial expertise, and driven personality to excel in his role as an investment banking analyst. Please welcome my next guest and very good friend, Shah Sutadinya. Hey, Shah. Thanks for being here, man. How's it going? Doing well, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Vinny. I'm excited. Good. Well, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while. Um, we've both got some pretty hectic schedules. You show a little bit more than me these days, I think, or maybe just in different ways. Um, and so I'm glad we were able to get this on the calendar and make it happen. I'm excited for it. It should be a good convo, but um, it's always good getting to sit down and just talk to you in general. I know even our Aside from the podcast, even when we just want to go have a drink or have dinner or whatever it is, we've got to find the time to uh, pencil ourselves into each other's calendar, but always enjoy catching up with you, buddy. Absolutely. No, likewise. It's uh, exactly. It feels like it's getting more and more hectic by the, by the day of the week, but it's, uh, it's, always, it's always good to sit down with you, sir. <laughs> well, hey, so before we jump into the questions and talking about you and, and what you're up to these days, I want to ask a, a favor of you. So if you're listening to the episode, you probably heard me introduce him um, as Shaw, and I'd like you to just give everybody listening a correct pronunciation of, of your name. That way we're all clear moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Full name is Shayar Sotidenya. Uh, no no middle name, so that makes life a little easier, but uh, yeah, go, go by Shaw to make life, uh, life easier for myself. Perfect. Well, I think it's funny that I've actually figured it out or figured out how to pronounce it. And I've only known you for, I guess, six, seven years now. So it uh, it took me long enough. But the last time that we sat down and had a conversation, I asked you that same question and had to uh, basically just drill it into my brain that that was the case. But all right, let's talk about you. So Shayar Sutadania. I'm still screwing it up. There it is. Talk to me about early life, man. What was Shaw's life like growing up? Tell me about, you know, your family, uh, things you like to do, um, what your childhood was like, and then we'll jump in a little later into what you're up to these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um was born out in uh, Northern California, um, spent a couple of years there, moved to uh, to Austin at the age of like three. So before it was uh, the trend, before it was a cool thing to uh, – have a bunch of Californians moving to Austin, but uh, moved to uh, moved to a suburb of Austin and, and grew up there. My parents are still in the same home they moved to you know twenty plus years ago, so um, still have still have the childhood home and the memories there. But um, yeah, grew up in uh, in Steiner Ranch for for the listeners that are from Austin or that area. But um, you know, predominantly um, Caucasian area, um, so definitely you know an interesting. Um, time I guess growing up and just kind of like finding myself that definitely a um, you know well-to-do community um, and so I think it was um, definitely a good you know eye-opener for me just kind of growing up and, and seeing what I was around and being very um, you know thankful for what I had but um, yeah grew, grew up in Austin um, very quickly you know got acclimated to uh, to Austin life love being outdoors um, played a lot of basketball and tennis growing up so um, love being outside, and um, you know, I think I think anyone that, that grew up in Austin will tell you that the city's changed tremendously since you know ten years ago. But um, still, love going back and, and being outdoors and experiencing you know ACL and, and all those fun activities to do in Austin. And are you an only child? I thought you had a sister, right? Or I'm the only mistaken? one. Only, the only one. Okay. One. Yeah. So um, I don't. I, it's interesting to bring that up. I mean, I, I feel like it's a uh, it's a dynamic it's a dynamic that I loved growing up. Um, and now I absolutely despise, uh, cause I feel like I want someone to like bounce things off of that isn't, you know, my mom or dad at certain times, but, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the only one. That's fair. And I relate to that very much. So uh, I'm an only child as well. And I never really thought about it until you said it just now, but it was nice growing up 
being the only child, having that dynamic. And then now it'd be nice to have a brother or sister. But I almost think of it in a different way because I remember there were times growing up where I was like, man, I wish I had like a brother or somebody to like mess around and play with and just have, you know, have someone else there to basically just entertain me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But okay, cool. Well, I didn't realize you were a tennis player. I knew we had talked a lot about your basketball back in the day. And for those of you, you probably can't tell, but Shaw's like six foot five. So like the basketball, not that height is the only thing that matters in basketball, but it's definitely a factor. Clearly the only trait that matters because it did not work out well. (laughs) Uh, He, he was um, tall for no reason. As I like to say about some of my other friends, it didn't pay any dividends for him in the long run, but that's okay. Oh, that's exactly right, man. I uh, I uh, I feel like I've wasted the the potential that I had here at some point along the line, but um, you know, on on to bigger and better. <laughs> there you go, and you're doing very well for yourselves, but or for yourself. But before we jump into actually what you're up to right now, tell me about kind of the choice to go to Texas A and M. Aside from you know growing up in Austin and living in Austin, I know there's obviously that school up there that we don't speak of, but. <laughs> <laughs> but no, tell me about um, the decision to go to AM, kind of yeah. what some defining factors were for you, and maybe some memories or anecdotes that you have from your time at AM. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, so I guess I'll, I'll back up one step. So um, both my parents were born in Iran and moved to Canada and the US, respectively, when they were 13, 14 years old before the revolution in 1979. Um, and so they, you know, had their own paths to like English second language, trying to just learn the culture and assimilate. So, um, my dad grew up in Toronto, went to school in Canada, um, did, doesn't have an American education. Um, and my mom went, their family came to, to DC, to Washington, DC. Um, so she went to university of Maryland, um, and then, you know, meeting each other just ended up in Texas. So. I didn't have an affiliation to, to A&M, um, as, as I'm sure, you know, there's third, fourth, fifth, so on, so forth, generation students. Right. Um, but I knew, you know, going into it, I think I knew that um, I would struggle paying rent 20 minutes from my parents' house. Um, so that was that was one key deciding factor. But I think <laughs> I wanted to, to experience something new. Um, you know, I, I don't think I had like a, a real defining moment or reason, frankly, to, to do it. Um, kind of waited it out till the very end, hadn't ever gone to college station, had never toured the university or anything, and just kind of, you know, signed the dotted line on a whim and, and just went for it. Um, and You'd never and been prior yeah, to deciding? Yeah, wow. Been just, just kind of blindly was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to stay in Austin. This sounds good. Tuition's still realistic. Um, just kind of aligned on a couple of things. And, and you know, that was that. But um Really glad I, I I ended up at A and M. You know, I outside of meeting you, obviously, but uh, <laughs> you know, have have countless you know amazing memories of, of College Station and A and M, and wouldn't have have you know done it a different way if I were to go back. Um, but in terms of of defining, I guess moments or memories at A and M, I think the cliche one is always kind of graduating. Like I think like yeah. you know walking across the stage, having two degrees for for both of us. Like I think that that was kind of the it's kind of the cherry on top. And, um, you know, my uncle and, and his wife were in town for that. And my grandma was also here. So that was, that was nice to, you know, have the majority of the family, you know, in, in one spot, um, and, and get them out on Northgate a little bit afterwards at night. So that was, <laughs> that was a good time. Um, but I think the other thing for me, honestly, was just kind of like struggling through, I think sophomore year. And I think that that's when, you know, me and you became pretty good buddies once it was kind of post, um, freshman year prep and all that stuff, which yeah. I'm sure we'll dive into. But um, I think I think that sophomore year was like a real challenge for me because I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to be a part of, who I wanted to kind of hang around and also balance what I think at that time was the first kind of real academic challenge I'd had like in my life. Because um, I think stuff just kind of came easy to me and I just kind of, you know, half-assed my way through a lot of things and just kind of yeah. breathed through. Um, so I think that was the first time that I really had to, you know, put my head down and, and actually work for what I wanted. Um, so I think that combination of things and also, you know, again, Austin's two hours away from College Station, but um, I didn't go home, I think, a single time that semester. So I think just a combination of things just kind of, um, you know, 
getting to the end of that semester and still having a you know good enough GPA, having a good handful of buddies that that I you know knew I wanted to be around and associate with. Um, I think I think you know getting through that semester successfully. I think kind of in that year, um, I think was kind of you know the point where I was like I can I can do this and I can be successful at it. I wish I was. And yes, we were great friends at the time and we became very good friends due to our late night, uh, our late night study <laughs> sessions. And I actually saw the picture, the infamous picture of you and me and Cameron uh, studying. And I think we were in MedSide yeah, that night. Yeah. And I just... Cameron's like explaining something to us on the computer. You're there with like your hat, like halfway off, like trying to understand. And I'm sitting there with like just complete confusion on my face, not knowing what the hell Cameron's talking about. That picture belongs in the Louvre, man. (laughs) Beauty. (laughs) Oh, those are just like some of my favorite memories in college were the all nighters that we would pull at, at namely MedSide. We would sit there on the first floor, just literally post up all night and then go take an 8 a.m. exam. Um, I know you were always a little more well-prepared than the rest of us. Cameron and I tended to take the all-nighter route and do 99.9% of our studying that night, uh, whereas you had a little more prep. And some sometimes you would stick it out the whole night with us, and sometimes you'd, uh, you'd venture off and get some sleep prior to the exam because you had already been studying for a few days at this point. But kudos to you for that. Yeah, we, we all ended up at the same place. That's what I'm like. <laughs> I look. It's funny you say that. I look back on it, and I was like, "Man, I was like a real hardo back in the day." And I'm like, I don't know why. I like. Don't get me wrong. There's like a certain merit to effort and trying and caring, but I'm like, man, I think I just care too much at certain times. (laughs) Like the the level of effort was not ever like shown in a way that was like you know meaningful enough for me to keep caring at that level. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, but. At the end of the day, it got you to where you are now, doing really well for yourself and extremely impressive with, you know, the GPA you graduated with, the fact that you got to a degree, you know, all of that adds up to the effort that you put in beforehand. So it was motivating to watch back in the day um, and still is now. But we did meet prior. So I guess a little background on Shaw and myself. We met our freshman year at Texas A&M as members of a freshman organization and uh we were in in what's called prep professionals reaching for excellence in professionalism or is that what it stands for it's something like that i think so something like that (laughs) yeah uh saying it out loud makes it like even kind of funnier but we were in we were in prep and a lot of our good friends to this day have uh stemmed from that organization more so than anything, it was a good way to meet and interact with friends of ours or make new friends from the moment we stepped onto campus. So getting to meet someone like yourself was extremely beneficial. As you can see, it's carried through to this day. And here we are having a conversation. So I really attribute a lot of those memories to, you know, meeting you back back in freshman year, back in prep. So we did some cool stuff back in the day, but I think to your point, we really started to kind of become really close when we got to those harder semesters. And we were in the kind of groove of having to apply for internships and like things got serious after, you know, kind of like the first semester of sophomore year, we were applying to the professional program, we were applying to internships, we were doing this, that and the other. And we were just kind of following a similar path in a lot of ways. And enjoyed each other's company and here we are you know stuck it out this long and i remember graduation because of the fact that it was shortly after covid the limit for people you could bring was like six tickets or something like that six or eight or something and we all met on the floor prior to graduation so it was all of our like friends and everybody's kind of walking around waiting for the ceremony to start and that was one of my favorite memories of college is just standing on the floor of Reed Arena and we're all in our cap and gown and we're just like high-fiving each other and talking and catching up because it's been a few weeks since we've probably all seen each other and just getting to think back on all the memories, all the classes, all the pain and hell that it was (laughs) to get to where we were in that moment. And I had never really gone back and reflected on it, but when you mentioned it, it really 
kind of struck a chord with me. And I was like, man, that, that was one of my favorite memories is just sitting there on the floor, read and just taking it in. But yeah. no, I wish I could go back. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's wild to sit here and be like, dude, it's been like coming up on two years here in, uh, here in a few months. It's absolutely wild to think that because it feels like it was yesterday, but in the same breath, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just waiting for your wedding because I haven't been back to College Station. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just ready. I'm just like itchy. I'm just like, I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> well, it'll be fun. You'll have to take off. Uh, have to take off that weekend. I know you got well, a busy. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into that a little bit then. So, tell me about. I know you had a change in career path a little bit. Maybe talk about. And it's fine if you don't want to like name companies. Um, feel free at your discretion, but. Just what you were doing prior to your role now and then the transition for you, what you're up to these days. Yeah, definitely. So kind of as you mentioned, um, you know, we went through PPA together, which for you all listening is basically just a five year accounting program at, at AM. Um, and I think, you know, in hindsight, that might be the one thing that I change if I if I was looking backwards, but um I feel like at the time it was like, you know, biggest bang for your buck, get a master's degree, be ready to sit for the CPA, la 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 la, you know, it can go on and on. And um, I feel like it was the, you know, most economical and the, you know, quote unquote, best thing to do. Um, and so, you know, that program kind of sets you up with, with an internship. I know, you know, way back in the day, pre-COVID, we, we had talked about, you know, getting together and, and all that stuff. But um, started at, at PwC uh, post-graduation, which where I'd interned previously um, in Houston and um, you know, I was in a in a smaller, you know, deals type of group still doing heavy accounting work. And, um, you know, I think early on, I just kind of realized, like, I am still enjoying the people that I'm working with, and but I'm not necessarily in love with what I do. Um, and I think that at the end of it, a lot of it came down to just kind of the fit. And I thought that, you know, personally, I wasn't necessarily interested in the work I was doing. And because of that, it was having an impact on kind of my output. Right. So um, my you know, lack of, of interest was starting to show probably in my final work product. And that's not something that like I want to personally do. Um, and so, you know, pretty early on started kind of looking around for um, alternatives and, and ended up uh, in all in all investment banking. But, um, you know, I think I think deep down, that was something that I thought about, you know, way back when, like back, you know, sophomore, junior year of college. Um, and I think I just wasn't necessarily at that stage to, you know, convince myself to go all in at that point. Um, and so I think, you know, some to, to not use the same metaphor or simile, but it was an itch that I wanted to scratch. Um, and I thought that, you know, this was the perfect time. So started kind of recruiting, um, and ended up at, at a middle market shop here in Dallas, um, called Hulahan Loki. And I've been here for about eight months now and, and absolutely loving it. Um, so I think the biggest thing was just kind of the, you know, the, the interests of, of what I'm doing and. Obviously, again, you're an accountant by trade, for example, but like you don't do hardcore accounting on a day to day basis. And yeah. um, I think that that was kind of what I thought I was this kind of signing up for was not kind of the nitty gritty accounting, which I knew kind of early on. I didn't necessarily love, um, but I think it was just I think it was just a fit thing more than anything else. Yeah. And I feel like you do fit into your role pretty well now. And, and I mean, I say that from an outsider's perspective, but I've always thought that was a good fit for you whenever you made the transition. So, I mean, for those that are not super familiar with the world of finance and maybe for those that are, give a little bit of a breakdown of investment banking. Like, what, what do you do on a daily basis? And then yeah. not necessarily, I, I guess, both what you do on a daily basis and then kind of the essence of a shop like that, like an investment banking firm, what they do, what their role is in the financial yeah. world. Yeah, definitely. So. I guess starting at a higher level, um, basically we are a sell side investment bank. So 95% of what we do as a shop is um, prepare companies to to sell. So um, middle markets anywhere from you know the, the 50 to 100 million dollar range up to the you know on the really big end the like one billion dollar range. Um, I'd say typically the normal range is kind of the like three to five, three to six hundred million dollar. Like that's normally the typical ballpark. Um, but so we we prepare companies to sell. So um, you know, when a mom and pop or whatever it is that, you know, kind of hits our, our range is, is kind of ready to go and has a relationship, um, you know, we'll step in, we'll work with them, we'll prepare to, you know, professionalize whatever it is that they do so that, um, you know, private equity financial buyers can come in and be, you know, impressed with what they're seeing. Um, we'll put together kind of a 50, 60, 70 page book that 
um, really outlines just the whole company, just a you know super high level, but also to a certain extent detailed summary of the business from where it started, um, you know, growth opportunities and where it's going, you know, all all of it. Um, and then basically we'll take them to market. So go through the process of finding a buyer, working with that buyer, negotiating, um, and hopefully, God willing, getting to a uh, to a final agreement and, and making a sale. Um, so that's super high level what we do. Um, we've got some other, you know, side type of activities that on occasion we'll, we'll partake in, but that's that's kind of the vast majority of it. Um, and then me on a day-to-day basis, um, it's, you know, it's a guessing game as to what I'm doing this hour versus the next hour, um, <laughs> which I think is part of the fun for me, right? Um, I think I get, I, I, I mean, I get bored pretty quickly. Um, and so I think that having the, you know, not having constant repetition and just constantly being on my feet and, you know, kind of playing that guessing game of what's next um, is kind of something that I enjoy. But um, on a day-to-day basis, it can be anything from, you know, building PowerPoint slides and, and doing the stuff that, you know, basically anyone can do um, to modeling in Excel and, and, you know, trying to value a company to being on the phone with a CFO or CEO um, and, and walking through, you know, assortment things. So, um I think that kind of you know day to day up and down is is what makes it fun for me. And, and in the middle market again, we we run pretty you know lean teams, um, so you're typically kind of punching above your weight and playing playing up a little bit. And so um, you know you can be on two three deals at a time, which is what makes it fun. Where you know one deal you're building out the book, kind of telling the story. Another deal you're in market working with you know a handful of buyers. Another deal you're almost at the finish line. And so. Um, you know, at any given time, you're kind of switching gears between these different, you know, transactions, but you're doing completely different things. So that's awesome. So I know, I guess, prior to making that transition for you, you went and got a few certifications. What certifications are relevant to someone that would want to jump into a career in investment banking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk poorly about the CPA, but um you don't you don't need you know that background that level of of intensity but at the same time i think it is a useful you know skill set to have like i think i'm better off for it for being kind of the accounting guy if you want to call it that um and it's you know just another you know tool in my toolkit that makes me a little more indispensable um but in terms of you know useful actually useful skills um i mean excel out like however good you can get in Excel, your life will be better for it. Um, but I guess in terms of like the actual certifications, like I think, um, I think you're talking about kind of the FINRA stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that stuff is kind of required by every firm. Like you'll, you'll have to go through those hoops um, whenever you kind of start and that, you know, they're not, you know, terribly challenging. Um, you kind of study for a week or two and, and then you take the test and, and it's kind of like a pass fail type of exam. Um, so it's not not terribly challenging, um, but I think you'll you see it a lot. You see a lot of guys with their CFAs, um, and I think that's something that's actually you know pretty useful because it kind of gives you a a much higher level, you know, just of what's going on not only within kind of our world but just you know finance as a whole. Um, and so I think that's something that could be useful and also something that I should probably start looking into doing myself. <laughs> but uh, we're not going to go down that road just yet. Well, it's, there's a great person I worked with in my prior job, um, one of the most like intelligent people I've ever met. And one day I found out that he had both his CPA and his CFA. And I always ask, like, why did you do this to yourself? Like, but I mean, and it's funny because, like you said, he, he did start in the audit realm. So the CPA made sense. But at the time, I mean, we were both working in the consulting world. And I mean, we're not doing specifically you know, CFO services type of work. We're more so aligned with a little bit of accounting, more so tech consulting than anything. Right. But I always wondered why he would do that to himself. And it sounds sounds like you might be walking down a similar path. Yeah, it's uh it's not I'm not gonna say it's the most fun thing, but um I mean I think to a certain extent the CPA is easier just because you have more time to take it, right? Like the CFA is still a you know, level one, you can take at any time, basically at this point, but like level two and three is still a, a once a year, twice a year type of exam. So mm. um, it's, it's, I, I would venture to say it's a little more challenging, but, um, you know, kudos, kudos to that guy right there. <laughs> I, I'd be in a better spot if I were in that shoe or in those shoes. So, well, okay. I guess 
let's take a pause on your role as an investment banker, which is extremely cool. We're going to jump back to it and talk about it in a bit, but I want to talk about more so just what's on your mind and more so like what drives you. So, I mean, tell me about your passions. And if that is your work, that's fine. That's actually admirable. But tell me about your passions. What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny you asked that, actually, because I, I was thinking about I was I was thinking back, you know, maybe let's call it two weeks ago at this point. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's funny because if someone asked me what, you know, what I've been trying to accomplish right now, I'd probably sit here and be like, uh, uh not sure enough. Here we are. Uh, but, You're you know, be it's VP at some big PE shop one day. So <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna call you up one day and ask for a job. <laughs> no, um, no, it's 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 a good question. It's something that you know I I probably frankly need to take more time to actually think about at this point because it's not something that I've probably fully fleshed out, right? But and, and I think a lot of that is attributable to the fact that you know I work eighty hours, ninety hours a week. Um, so you're right. A lot of a lot of it is work. Um, and again, it's something that I'm I'm truly enjoying right now. And so um, you know that that's a good thing. At least you know my interests are aligned in the right place and. Um, I don't wake up every day dreading, you know, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm excited to go in and, and talk to people and see, you know, see what's new. Um, but at the same time, you know, what motivates me, I think it's just um, kind of getting to whatever's next. And, you know, what's next, I don't necessarily know yet. But um, I feel like, to your point, I think you mentioned this like loosely at some point, but I feel like we kind of spent the last, you know, since call it, you know, end of sophomore year, kind of just hopping through these hoops of like, all right, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Um, and I feel like, you know, for, I feel like the most of us, at least, I feel like we finally got to the point where we're like, all right, either we're like tired of hopping through hoops and like enough or, all right, well, I've realized what I've done here. And I think I've gotten to a place where like, I'm good and I'm comfortable and like, all right, that's enough hopping through hoops. I'm going to do what I want to do now. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I feel like I've hit either of those yet. Um, and so, you know, not to say that I'm hopping through a hoop, but, um, I am you know, kind of looking out to what's what's next, whether it's in, you know, a year, whether it's in five years, whatever it is. Um, but I think it's probably something that I need to sit down and kind of define and flesh out a little bit more than just kind of saying, you know, okay, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, whatever. Money's great. Life's great. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, I think that is something that I probably, you know, do need to flesh out a little bit more and, and be able to, uh, to articulate in a better manner as well. So. <laughs> well, I do think that, like I've mentioned before, it's admirable that your interests do align so well with what you're doing right now and your passions for that matter. You love your work and you almost have to, to put in the type of hours that you put in. I know, I mean, even when we're, and this is not a knock, but even when we go like have drinks or something, it's, we got to wait till 6.30 PM on Friday afternoon for you to get out. Like, Hey, I think I can slip away. It's like, man, it's six. Th I've been off for four hours. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, but no, It's funny you say that because it is, it is a, it's, it's a lifestyle change. It is, but it's like, people always say like, Oh, do you enjoy it? And I always like go to say, Oh, I hate the life. Like I hate the lifestyle, but then I always stop myself. Cause I'm like, no, I don't hate the lifestyle. I hate the hours, but like, that's part of what comes with it. Right. And like at the end of the day, it's, it's a weird dynamic of like, well, I only learn so much because I work so many hours. Um, but then it's also this weird balancing act, right, of, of saying like, okay, well, I have this handful of friends that I really want to actually stay in touch with and care about. Um, but you can only say no so many times, like, no, I'm working until someone just stopped asking, right? Um, and so it's this like weird balancing act of like, all right, who, who really matters? One, who really matters? And then two, how do I carve out the time for that truly like the, that, those handful of people that matter and everyone else, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's like, you don't have time to just, you know, make friends with everybody. Um, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It is. That was really like, I don't want to ignore the sentiment behind what you just said, because that's extremely powerful and useful for people that are listening to this. But I will say that when you said carve out, the first thing I thought of was the divestiture. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brain popped too. That's how you know we're in a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think this is the perfect time. And I, I wasn't originally going to ask this question, but I think my listeners might be um, getting tired of me asking this to every person <laughs> that I've interviewed so far, but, or over the past few, um, uh, 
but I can't think of a better time to throw this in. Yeah. And the question is, would you rather have more time or more money? And as someone who works 80, 90 hours a week, but is compensated well for what you do, yeah. you probably have a unique perspective on which is more valuable. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question. And I feel like that's always, that's like, you know, the number one question when you're looking at, at least to me, a lot of times in all, like a job offer um, is, you know, that balance right there. So um, it's a good question. I think, I think, I think, I mean, I think it varies drastically over, over the course of your life. Also, depending on what stage of kind of life you're in. Um, I think like for me personally right now, it probably stay money. Um, Cause I'm at the stage where I'm like, well, one, if I have more money, I can pay someone to do stuff for me. One, <laughs> Which I think is a big one, but I'm like, cool. Like I can pay to have someone clean my apartment. I can pay, which is like a shack. You can see it's behind me. It's like 500 square foot, like low ceiling, such whatever. Um, but I'm like, I can pay to have someone kind of do like, you know, the kind of, the bare kind of stuff that gives me then more time in, you know, in return. Um, but I feel like that changes over time and changes over the dynamic of, you know, where you are just kind of in your life and, you know, your relationships and all that stuff. So um, I think for me right now, I'd probably say money because I think that there's also enough avenues to where that opens up more time for me, like in return. Um, but I think, you know, ask me that in five years, I think I'd probably start leaning towards time because I feel like there also hits a certain point where it's like, okay, I've made X. And at this point, there's like a diminishing return, you know, right on like every dollar or whatever it is. So um, I think as time progresses, as I, you know, am in a relationship, as I buy a house, whatever, 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 um, I think that that will change towards money or towards time based on, you know, those handfuls. I like that a lot. And I have a similar perspective that I voiced on a, on another episode where I get the idea behind having more time because it's super valuable. You can't get more of it. Everybody's got the same amount. And to that, I understand, but I also feel like where I'm at in life, it's based more on money because it'll set me up to have more time in the future. So yep. it's essentially pay now and play later for, you know, a right. little, you know, <clears throat> phrase there. I couldn't think of the word, but, <laughs> uh, you know, just a little note to think about it, pay for what you're doing now in the time that you have, or don't have for that matter, right. Get more of it later in the future. So I, I agree with you. And I think that as someone in our fields, in our career paths, and you even more so than me, I mean, working long hours at this age and this stage of our career is just, I mean, it's almost like a rite of passage. We have to do it. It's something that'll get us to that next step. And I know that for a long time, I considered going to to law school after college. And that's three years. And I, the, the kind of like moment that made me realize that I didn't want to do it was I can't go and watch all my friends graduate and start making money and then still be broke going into even more debt to go get another degree. Like I can't wait three more years. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Yeah. And I said, so what I'll do is I will go into the workforce and I'll work the type of hours I would if I was studying in law school for three years and just grind, like work my ass off for three years and look up at the end of those three years and see where I'm at. And hopefully it paid off kind of deal. Right. So, right. Yeah, no, that's that's actually that's an interesting perspective. I remember when we had that conversation, you know, way back, and I was like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but man, that's no, I, I never thought about it like that. And if you think, I mean, if you put it in that perspective, right, it's like if the if the alternative was to go right read fifty hours a week, attend thirty hours of classes a week, you know, a work whatever, it's like, well, if I put my head down and work like that. Um, I think I can get somewhere pretty decent in three years time. Right. So yeah. I, mean, I think that's a, that's a good perspective to have on it as to like, what is the, what is the legitimate alternative to what I'm doing right now? Um, not like, Oh, I'm just going to sit on my couch all day. Like, yeah, that'd be a great alternative, but like <laughs> realistic. So um, I, I like that a lot. Actually. I, I have never thought about, you know, what is the legitimate alternative to, to what I'm doing right now? So I think that puts things in perspective. 
Well, I know, and I'm changing gears a little bit here, yeah. but you spoke earlier on how you talked about what gets you up in the morning, what your kind of trajectory is. You don't know for sure. You said it's something you're hoping to figure out. This can be your response to the question can be work related. It can be personally, whatever it is. Um, but goals, just, you know, goals for next week, goals for next year, goals for life. What are you kind of shooting and aiming for? Man, goals for next week, goals for life. <laughs> I mean, that escalated quickly, man. Um, no, that's a good question. I think, I think, you know, if, if I just want to kind of bucket into short and long term, I think um, short term one, now that, you know, I've been up in Dallas here for, for eight months, I think, you know, I want to, I want to stay here for a while. I'm, I want to say join Dallas a lot and, um, you know, you and the other, you know, handful of guys that are up here and, and the, the people that are around. Um, so I think kind of short term goals kind of just establish myself up here. Um, you know, the next handful of years want to want to buy a house and, and bite the bullet on that. Um, obviously, it's not necessarily conducive to living in a uptown where I currently am, where things are astronomically expensive. Um, but want to want to establish myself up here um, from like a personal standpoint. Um, and, you know, hopefully sooner or later end up in a, in a very happy spot like you, uh, like you and Rachel and, uh, and then, you know, in a good, in a good relationship, engaged, married, um, have a family, all that good stuff, you know, in, in the relative short term. Um, and then, you know, longer term, I mean, I think, I, I feel like whenever, you know, at least in, in our group of guys and, and girls, you know, you ask, you know, long-term goals, it always goes professional. Um, and, you know, I feel like, I kind of have like an end goal in mind. I don't necessarily know what the stepping stones are getting there. Um, and so I don't want to put a, you know, something out there for, for myself or for, you know, anyone listening that's like, all right, I'm going to hold you to this. Um, Cause I don't necessarily know what, what kind of the stepping stones are to get there, but I think, um, you know, on a more, or I guess on a less granular, just broader level, I think just, you know, finding my own happiness professionally and personally and finding kind of that balance. Cause like, I don't think it's sustainable to work 80, 90 hours a week for, you know, 20 years. Like at some point you need a break. Um, but at the same time, it's like you see, you know, the MDs in the office and you're like, dude, you have literally worked 60 to 70 hours a week on average every week for the last 20 years. Um, and it's like, you know, you at least at face value, you seem happy, right? It's like you got a wife, you got kids. You're dipping out of, you know, out of meetings to go spend time with them, to go to baseball practice, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and you're still, you know, killing it on a professional level. So um, whether reality is that they're happy or not, who knows? But at a minimum, you know, I, I just kind of want to shoot for whatever it is, you know, being happy and finding kind of that balance. And I don't know, that's some like, you know, aspirational type of shit that everyone talks about. But um, <laughs> Finding, finding that balance that makes me happy and whether that is working 60 hours a week, fine. If I'm happy, so be it. If that's working 30 hours a week and finding a different job, fine. So be it. Well, that's, I, I appreciate that. And I think that one day as you continue to progress throughout your life, you'll learn what that balance is. And I, I'd say you, but I mean, everyone, like myself included, will learn that as we continue to progress through our lives, that what really matters will show up and we'll prioritize it because at the end of the day, what we care about the most is what we make time for. And so being able to find that balance is something that I'm looking to do in my own life. And so whether that be, cause I mean, trust me, I don't work 80, 90 hours a week. Occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll punch <laughs> up to in the seventies, but most of the time I'm not working those crazy hours. I'm, I'm punching 40 to 50 every week. And on occasion I'll have those times where I miss dinner with friends or whatever it is, because I've got, and 11 p.m. call with somebody in a foreign country or I've got even just like people in California, like I've got like seven or 8 p.m. calls with people in California because they're a couple hours behind. But the point I'm making is how long do we want to do that? Is that I mean, is it reasonable to do that? I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily unreasonable. You, like you mentioned, there's people that are happy doing it. And when you brought up your MDs, it struck a you know thought in my brain because I was reading an article the other day about how, I guess, let me backtrack a little bit here and correct anywhere that I mess yeah. up along this, but at a 30,000 foot level, people that go into investment banking shortly after they graduate college, go into investment banking typically for two, three, four years, yeah. and then they leave that investment banking job 
with the hopes of jumping ship to go to the buy side. And they go to a private equity shop, a venture shop, they go to hedge fund, that type of deal. Well, that typically results in better work-life balance, obviously great compensation, but a little bit different, or, or that's essentially the norm. You work in IB for a few years, you transfer to private equity or any of the like. Well, the article was talking all about how with the current state of the deals market and just the trends over the past like five, 10 years, it's actually going to be, or it could be more of a trend for people to flip the script on it and start out at these investment banking shops and just continue on the career path. Because the whole argument they were making is there's MDs and VPs or whatever their title is at all of these investment banks. What made them stay for so long? Like why have they been there for 25 years or however long they've been there? Yeah. And it's like people are starting young adults or young investment bankers are starting to figure out that it's a sustainable career path in a lot of ways. And yeah. you could see, you know, a shift in the way things kind of trend out that way. And I was curious if you had any thoughts on that or like if you have, you know, ideations of jumping ship to, uh, yeah. to the buy side. No, uh, no ideations of jumping ship yet. Um, I think that's super interesting actually. Cause I, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that, and I think a lot of people like, like you said, it's like people are signing on for their, you know, in summer internships in banking, their sophomore, like, like, you know, November of like sophomore year yeah. or like at the latest, let's call it like February, like this time of sophomore year, basically. Yeah. And you intern, right? Like whatever that is, like a year after that, a year and a half after that, and you sign your offer and like from sophomore year, you've been saying, I'm going to go do two years of banking and then go private equity. Right. And I'm like, all right, I'll figure it out. Either I'll stay at private equity, either I'll go to business school, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people, and again, I'm just generalizing here, but like, I feel like a lot of people, it's just kind of like, that's the path. And like, that's the only path. And they don't necessarily even give it a thought of one, what else is out there or two, what that path actually entails. Um, and I think that the biggest difference between banking and private equity, right? is just the difference in skill set. So like at the end of the day at a bank, like I'm trying to sell you something versus at a, you know, private equity shop, like I am the buyer and like, I need to diligence everything to make sure that there's nothing wrong here. Right. Um, and those are two drastically different skill sets because we're kind of playing like a, you know, cat and mouse game. Right. Um, and so it's, I think, I think they're very drastically like different skill sets. And I think that they, suit different kinds of people and i think that like as a general overall the industry just kind of lumps everything together and goes cool everyone that's a good banker can go be a good private equity guy in two years and i'm like i don't i don't believe that um so i think a lot of people jump ship because they think that that's like the right thing to do the right career moves the right whatever that's what you know their dad did that's what their brother did whatever but they don't even give it a thought as to why they're doing it or whether they're going to enjoy it or whether they're going to be good at it or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but I do think it's interesting because I feel like, you know, not to blow smoke up my own, you know, where, but like, I feel like I have a different perspective on some things just because like I have a year, an extra year of school. I have a year of work experience in a very different field. Right. Um, and so it's interesting to like sit around and listen to the other first years who were, you know, did a four-year finance degree and are 22 years old, um, you know, talk about like, oh, I hate my life. I hate my hours, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I can't wait to go to private equity. And I'm like, I'm over here and I'm just like smiling on the inside. So I'm like, dude, I love what I'm doing. And I'm like, the grass is like not always greener, like on the other side where I'm looking like backwards, right? Um, so it's all an interesting dynamic, but you know, that was, that's a long-winded answer. But I think long story short, like, I feel like that's kind of the common trend and I feel like a lot of people don't give it a lot of thought. Um, and I mean, I think they're, depending on what you want and whether, you know, you can carve out whatever is quote unquote sustainable for yourself as an individual, I do think there is, you know, a sustainable lifestyle to be had in banking, so. Well, hopefully you are able to, uh, <laughs> I guess let me backtrack. I think you think about it in the right way, so. From the article I read, it kind of generalized everybody following the same path, much alike the 22-year-old four-year finance degree associate that you work with right now, you know, just in general. Well, you think about it on a little bit more of a 
personal or you know specific level of will this be a good fit for me right and not only that why will it be a good fit for me why does it make sense why this that or the other so pretty cool to hear it offers a different perspective than i had originally thought about i wouldn't have really gone through it and thought about the skill set for one that was not something that ever really crossed my mind but i do want to ask about i guess as we kind of like have been talking for a while the listeners know you at this point in your free time, I don't know if you're a, a podcast guy or a, a book guy. I mean, I know we read a lot in college, but that was because we had to. So do you have any podcast or book recommendations or TV shows for that? Whatever whatever you do, whatever you can recommend, um, yeah. what do you got yeah. for us? I'm a, unfortunately not a big podcast guy. I feel like that was something I just like never really got into, and I don't really know why uh, as I'm like on a podcast like actively right now. Uh, <laughs> but I listen to your podcast, Vinny. Uh, but I, uh, I think, I think that the only podcast I listen to with like any sense of regularity is uh, I don't know if you've heard of Andrew Santino. He's like a redhead uh, stand-up comedian. He's like, he's like some mid-level type of guy, but like he doesn't stand up, and it, I just like the people that he brings on. So um, I'll listen to that, and it's like three hours long with a bunch of really shitty ads in the middle of it, but. i'll I'll listen to that but um in terms of books um as i'm like looking over to my bookshelf over here i uh i when i read it's typically like nonfiction, like you know real life type of stuff um call me the business nerd but i love the kind of like retellings of like stories um so i've been reading the i don't know what it's called I got to look at the one I'm reading right now. I the Wizard the of, of it. Lies. Um, it's about like Bernie Madoff and that whole situation. Um, I just watched the, is it Netflix? I think yeah, it's yeah. Netflix. So, the so documentary. So that was based on this book. Um, so I, I unfortunately watched the Netflix documentary first as well. But um, I've been reading that. And then I love Bad Blood. Um, it's about... Um, Theranos, so Elizabeth Holmes, and mm. that whole you know fraudulent downfall situation. Um, and then I feel like you'll have read this book, um, but it's uh, where's the one I'm looking for? I'm like looking over here, like 50 books. Um, it's called Tools of Titans. That's the one. Have you read that one? No, make okay. note of it though. It's like uh, I mean, it's a, it's a textbook type of book. Like it's like 500 pages, but basically it like dives deep into like seven or eight um, people who they like they view as like the best at their craft and they like dive deep into like what they do, how they do it, all that kind of stuff. Um, Sounds like my type of book. So I thought, I mean, I think it's, it's again, it's, it's a, a relatively lengthy read, but I think it's super interesting because you get to see kind of like, it goes from, for example, like a chef to like, again, like a finance guy, for example. Um, and you see like they're the best at what they do but it's like wildly different how they got to where they got there uh, but then in the end it all comes together in the same like well basically they just grinded really hard and put in a lot of hours into what they love so um super interesting read but i'll have to check that one out i yeah. think I, I thought you were going to mention one when you said that you like business type books and whatnot i'm reading one right now by andrew ross sorkin the mm-hmm. cnbc anchor mm-hmm. too big to fail kind of yep. like the recap of the financial crisis in 2007 2008 and he gives a lot of i'm listening to it on audible and so he gives a pretty cool perspective on he like goes deep into the lives and backgrounds of key players like i'm talking you know lehman brothers ceo bear stern ceo federal reserve chairman like he like gives you the perspective and the background of all these people and then the way it's turning out in the book, I'm only that far into it really, but the way it's leading, he's going to kind of like have them all like, once you have the understanding of all these people and you understand each of their perspectives, it kind of accumulates and is now the story of what happened in the financial crisis hmm. and how all those people kind of played a factor in it. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. So it's a good book so far. I'll give you an update whenever I finish reading yeah, it, but absolutely. good read. Absolutely. I feel like I need, I feel like if I like started listening to audiobooks, I would like start, you know, reading more. Like, so I'm like, every time I go to pick up a book, I'm like, dude, I just looked at Excel for six hours and like, yeah. I don't want to use my eyes anymore. But then I'm like, if I just have someone talking to me, you know, in a nice soothing voice, maybe, uh, maybe I'll listen some more. So. 
Oh, that's exactly what it was for me. It was like, I, I don't have time anymore to, or I say that you make time for what you prioritize, <laughs> but I, uh, I've got books on my nightstand and it was just like, by the time I'm like getting ready to go to bed, I'm not, I don't want to pull over a book. I want to flip on the TV or something. And now I can do this while I go for a run or while I'm doing like busy work or, you know, like things that don't require too much brain exactly. power. Like, you know, exactly. I can just have my headphones in and listen. So right. it changed exactly. my, you know, reading for a while. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, and it's funny you say that this will, again, I'm now, now I'm going on my tangent, but um, it's interesting you say that, like, I don't want to like, you know, do anything. Like I just want to like, put on TV and mindlessly, you know, let it go. Um, it's so funny because I feel like I never used to do that. Like I was always like, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to bed. Um, versus now I'm just like, dude, I got to like motivate myself to like get out of bed on the weekends and like, you know, just like be a functioning part of society. And it's, <laughs> but I say that and I'm like, dude, like once I get out of bed, I'm like so much better off for it. Um, and so it's like, you just got to like keep pushing yourself to, you know, do something instead of just, you know, oh, it's Saturday. I have nothing to do. I'm just going to sit on the couch for four hours. Like, it's like, no, I got to go outside. I think I got to do something. Um, so it's funny you said that. It reminded me of that. <laughs> but um, just got to stay busy. I agree. Well, dude, it's been great. I uh, I don't want to take too much time out of your Sunday. No, I know you are, are trying to relax and probably do a little work as well and just take it easy on a afternoon, Sunday afternoon. But I did want to ask, is there anything that you'd like to share that maybe I didn't give you the opportunity or I didn't ask you that you, you know, kind of wished I would have? If not, it's okay. But I always like to give the opportunity for my, you know, people that I'm interviewing to share what they came on here for. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you hit everything on the head. I mean, I think, I think the only thing I would add is just like, again, one, I, you know, it's been great catching up with you in, in this setting and, and in every setting, but I think you know, so looking back, and I don't think I, I necessarily mentioned it verbatim, but I'm, you know, so thankful for the time that we had at A&M and, and the time that, you know, just in general that I had at A&M. Like I, again, kind of went on, on an absolute whim and just, you know, get a sign the line and go. Uh, but I, you know, again, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, to your point, suffering that we went through for a handful of years yeah. there. But, um, you know, memories that literally will last a lifetime. So, um you know, really, really glad that I got to to cross paths with you and, um, you know, glad, glad to have you as a part of my life. Absolutely, man. And I, I share the same, you know, sentiment and I'm thankful for all those memories we had back in the day and those that we'll continue to make as we get older. The memories are different now. We, uh, we act differently. We do different things, but still the same people and uh, we'll have to get together sometime soon. And uh, absolutely. Just chat uh, chat about it over dinner or drinks or something and uh, just catch you up some more. But anyway, Shaw, I, I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, man, get back to your weekend, but I really appreciate the time. If you people want to keep up with Shaw, you can follow him. Let's go. Yeah. I'm like an addict, ooh, I gotta have it I ain't even playing, got a really bad habit If it moves, gotta grab it Fuse like a magnet, lose, won't have it Till I'm doomed in a cat